gentlemen welcome back to the omnicast my name is jackie atlas so this is the uh, second episode we're likely going to make this a lot longer in uh, terms of content because last time it was just the um recording of the end game and i apologize for the completely awful audio that happened um <laughs> which was just uh, a travesty because we did not know how powerful the pickup the phone um, microphone picked up the sound of our voices so we ended up getting like quad voices instead of like a double thingy but hey all good in the hood um so this episode Brennan's going to be reviewing Godzilla uh, I'm going to be talking about a few stuff and uh mostly just gaming stuff and possibly anime content and also, on the uh, lies of that, uh, Brandon will also be talking about uh, Ucast and how they fucked them over. So if you like this um, podcast, please uh, show it to your friends, uh, share it around, and also, to, I don't know if you can get, if it views with Anchor or not, but hey... Um, the more we watch, the bigger we get, so that's very, it would help a ton if you, um, watched it, watched, listened, hell, even if you're just doing something jovial like housework, just put it on in the background. Um, anyways, uh, the first, um, thing on here will, will be, um, Brandon reviewing Gojira, and obviously, uh, hopefully the sound quality is good. If not, I apologize in advance. There we go. Hello there. Hello. Right. Hello, Jack. Okay. What's up? And, uh, and the podcast has officially started. 12. <laughs> like 15 seconds in, man. Yeah, literally 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> so it's been a while since we did the last episode. <laughs> All right, a prototype for a prototype, I'll imagine. <laughs> I got a new phone stand and everything, so it's easier for us. So I don't need to carry my phone around. Yeah, and this time around, I'm sitting by myself at home. No, I thought I doubt there'll be any like audio problems. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully my phone doesn't die, <laughs> but it'll last for about three hours, so it should be okay. That's I mean, good. Uh, Anyways, is... <laughs> Godzilla. All right, so let's start with the movie segment then, my friend. Um, you know what? I pretty much enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, Aye. It was not um, like as high of a, of a filmmaking quality as the 2014 Godzilla in terms of directing and cinematography and editing and yeah. even production value. But damn, I, I did definitely felt like a child again when I was watching uh, King of the Monsters considering I'm just a sucker when it comes to like uh, kaiju fun in general. And I yeah. thought the pro- they nailed it with these monsters. There are some flaws we'll talk about the movie and characters. Um, characters as well, but we'll get to that in a second. Wasn't but overall, I definitely what? enjoyed it as a Godzilla tribute. But as a movie, it's a five out of ten. Five out of ten, right? Because I've heard there's been uh, like a lot of fucking like backwards thinking when it comes to reviews. Because the first one, you know, with Brian Cranston, there. Uh, <laughs> <a lot of people laughs> to, to, 
to be fair, like um, when I saw the posters and I saw the trailer, it's literally it, it said like Aaron Taylor Johnson and uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Ken Watanabe and Brian Cranston. So I was like, oh, I guess he's really in it for like one scene or something. So when I went in to see the movie, it was good right to see him get killed. Spoilers gets killed off in twenty minutes, and uh, <laughs> and then you don't see him again. But the only the, the problem is though, he was one of the only characters in that first film that actually was interesting and had like a character arc that would have been good potential. Wasn't a big fan of the main um, protagonists of that movie. This right. one, on the other hand, it's got its own problems, but these guys are a bit more memorable in terms of being more goofy. Uh, uh, That's why the first film was a bit more, like, a lot more bland. Uh, right. While movie around it, and uh, Gareth Edwards' directing was a bit more polished, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah. this new film... This new film is oh, it's it's really bad. It's choppy uh, in terms of editing. It's all over the place, and it's it's shot like uh, if it was a Transformers movie. The way it's like shot and produced. Oh, it's all like what's it called? Word? Like it's all like just choppy and everything. Oh, absolutely. But um, there's one thing that really annoyed me about that movie. Uh, we'll get to the st- uh, plot and the story in a minute, but uh, it's when. They go to watch the move uh, monsters fighting from a human's perspective, which is interesting. I like what they did that in the first Godzilla film. Uh, aside from like them always cutting away from the fight and like you know blue balls and us until the last third act, which is kind of like you know like didn't really work out as effective as they wanted to. This movie, no, the monsters are literally in every single scene fighting and all that, and it's good. Problem is though, they do the same mistake when. Uh, they cut straight to the characters, like talking or like uh, like involving like a situation instead of just focusing on the monsters, like fighting for like at least like a solid minute. You get like it's a bits of like Godzilla fighting Ghidorah or Mothra fighting Rodan. It's good stuff, fantastic uh, fan service. But right. <laughs> it, the the directing of like the Sean like bloody Kyle Chandler's character with the family at the end or like the military in the jets and all that's like, uh, could could you not just linger on? Um, more of a bigger sequence with the monsters fighting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but you definitely see God's... Like, they definitely listen to some of the uh, unfair criticisms from the first film, which is yeah. basically like, oh, we see Godzilla. But here's the thing. In the original series and all that, uh, Toho series, yeah. you barely saw Godzilla anyway. Uh, I think what pe- I think why people will complain about that is because the way um, they were trying to show Godzilla, like, as it was the shark from Jaws, you know, like, this right. little mystery to him teasing them and all that until the third act this one you literally see them straight away it's good it's good stuff in terms of like uh oh, good. like kaiju monsters like you love Ghidorah in this one like uh the three heads have all got distinctive personalities like the middle one's always the like main like antagonist monster that uh calls the shots uh the one on the uh the, the, i think it's the right head uh, that's like the goofy one like licking oh, all the bodies I've, or like i've seen yeah. the meme yeah I've seen the meme, yeah. And the one on the left looks like the uh, most aggressive one. But yeah. that's just my perspective from the theatre. Went to see it three times, you know what I mean? <laughs> just for that reason alone. Wasn't there, like, but, uh, criticism saying, like, oh, it focuses on the monsters too much and not, like, the humans? But they did... It's, prob- they, it's probably just, yeah. They did it backwards. They did it, like, backwards with the first film. They said, uh, oh, it's all about the humans and not about Godzilla. But in this one, they said, oh, it's all about Godzilla and not the humans. Yeah, well, it's it's a lot of like just I'll probably say like uh I, I like call like internet critic um like what's the word what's the word I'm trying to look for screeching that's the word internet right. critic screeching uh because uh, every time I went to watch this in the summers with some people like they were enjoying it but it wasn't packed 
so there was some kind of like you know like box office like flop um like going on and i can uh, see why because this movie is not like a cinema type movie uh because you could tell it was made for the fans and obviously everyone who's like a diehard fan will love this movie for different reasons some might some won't it's very mixed but yeah. the critics some of them have been very unfair with it by saying uh all the hu- like the human drama um is weak or like uh, the monsters are just like taking too much screen time. I was like, after not seeing the movie, the human drama has just about as much as the monsters do. It's uh, it, the only problem is it's not paced like consistently and always jumps to like uh, scene after scene straight away. But watching it the second or third time, though, I did um, follow the plot a lot better than I did first time around. So when you watch it the second time, you actually like the movie a lot more. But I, w- I still won't put it as high as five out of ten in terms of like uh, how a film was constructed because it is a still a mess unfortunately yeah. like um yeah but I, I did enjoy for what it was though and you know what i'd rather have movies like that because it didn't have any political agenda behind it it wasn't uh it, it didn't feel like it was studio meddling it definitely felt like it was made by the uh, director whose name forgets i forget his name michael dohedius i think its name is i think his name is um like you tell it was definitely his stamp on the uh, film and not just like a play safe by the numbers. Uh, the, the characters actually did enjoy, but they were just cliche, goofy, cartoony ones. You know, like uh, it, they're actually, the whole film reminds me of the, the first series of films from Godzilla in the 70s. Uh, the Showa, I think it's called. Um, it reminds me of kind of that with its uh, like tone. While the first film was a bit more like, you know, grim, if that makes sense. Like I said, it felt polished and grim the first one, while this one literally is like a popcorn summer flick. Uh, and, oh, and plus, uh, I'm, I'm trying to look up the director for you since the name escapes you. Um, Michael, Michael Doherty? Doherty, yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, I might have butchered in Michael. pronunciation, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, Shen Fano off Moffra and Godzilla on Twitter. <laughs> that, you can tell that guy loves his uh, Godzilla stuff, doesn't he? <laughs> Um, oh. But yeah, uh, let's start with the plot though. Um, it basically, the beginning pit, uh, picks off from uh, the first film ending when they're fighting in, uh, I think it was San Diego, oh no, San Francisco. And uh, you see like uh, the main character, Kyle Chandler, who's like the father and the daughter and the mother, who's uh, played by the last who's of Bates Motel, the mother. Uh, I forgot her name oh. as well. Pharmaca uh, or something like that, it's Farrah Pharmaca. Uh, probably butchering that as well. Uh, um, you see those two at the beginning, right? Um, in the 2014's third act, and they're looking for their son who is missing, and they see Godzilla just like literally walk past them, and it quits to like uh, five years later. Uh, the mother in this tropical area, and literally it shows you, it establishes that her and the father are like not together anymore. Um, they've lost the son, and then we get introduced to the daughter, uh, who's like one of the main characters of this film, who is with the mother in one of the uh, Monarch, you know, Monarch, the, uh, opera- the corporation that was uh, behind uh, following uh, Godzilla in the first film. Um, the basically like the main people, like organization we follow uh, in the, in this uh, monster first, basically. Like yeah. they're the ones who, who keep all these titans, which is basically like a nickname for these kaiju monsters uh, in these movies, uh, titans. They practically have them in like different spots around the world. And the one that uh, the main character, the mother is at, is Mothra's. But you don't find out until like you see her hatching. Literally at the beginning of the movie, you see uh, the the larvae form of Martha about a hatch, and, oh. and she's got like this. Uh, I forgot the word. Like it's a sound. It's a it's a frequent sound wave machine, 
where she tries right. to use trying like uh, alpha like alpha wave uh, sounds like you know how you use for like uh, wolves or birds to try and communicate. Yeah. She tries that with the titans because they're trying to um, you know maintain and control them and all that. And uh, she tries it on Mothra because she she's obviously this, that situation where uh, something goes wrong and it, it, it's hinting at like someone trying to attack the base or something like that. Um, I'm just kind of skipping on the characteristics here, but we'll get to them in a second. Though. But uh, in terms of plot, she. Uh, she gets it working, and then like the daughter and her are like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And then after that, you see like uh, Charles Dance's character, who plays, who plays like this British like eco terrorist uh, stereotype. <laughs> it's great because it's Charles Dance. Oh. He just shoots all the scientists and all that, and then he kidnaps those two. And then after that, it's it's been like Moffat practically escapes, and uh, then after that, I believe it cuts to like uh, Ken Watanabe's character from the first film. Um. Kurosawa, I think that's his character's name. I might butcher that as well because English is not the best language. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then it cuts to them um, re- recapping like the mutual fight and all that uh, with the Congress, and then they get word about like all the uh, like bases and uh, f- the box that um, was that, that the mother used that uh, they get that got stolen and kidnapped by these um, environmental eco terrorists, and um, basically. They're like, oh no, what are we going to do? Because that practically, if they use that in the wrong hands, they can release like the monsters and all that, which is practically the main, uh, is what the antagonist's agenda is in this movie. They're trying to release all the monsters. Um, but we'll get to that uh, twist uh, later on. Now. Uh, and it cuts to the father, who's like um, doing his own thing, but then they bring it back because apparently like he's the one that invented the thing, um, the machine. And they want to use him to try and like find where it is and like how we're going to get it back and all that. And basically, yeah. and then after that, it literally they all go up to Antarctica. All these characters, and that guess where who is there though? King Ghidorah, frozen. But the King Ghidorah. Aye, but the, the reference to uh, Monster Zero name, <laughs> like from the uh, I think it's the sixth movie, uh, um, or is it Astro Monster? Oh. But they call him Monster Zero, like as a uh, reference, and like he's literally frozen in an iceberg. And he, dude, they play the original theme, his original. Uh, Toho theme, but it's like updated and it's odd. It's fantastic. Oh, mu- oh hell yeah! Yeah, the music makes these monsters feel very majestic and godlike, like the first film did. But this one does it with like the actual themes. While the first film was more like suspense, this one literally just says, "Oh yeah, these guys are titans, and there's nothing you can do about it. These guys will crush you." It just basically turns around and says, "This is King Ghidorah." Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, literally, the British guy is like, uh, let's get started. And then it, ha- it has all these detonators around these iceberg where King Ghidorah's silhouette is, and it's like, oh my God, shit's definitely going to kick off. <laughs> so um, they try, like the military, uh, along with Sally Hawkins and Ken, Ken Watanabe's characters uh, from the first films, like the last and the Asian guy, they're, they're all in, uh, like this, <laughs> I forgot what it's called again. Uh, it's like Castle Something, which is like this massive oil rig uh, underground operation underwater that tracks Godzilla. And like basically, uh, all the only people who know where he is and all that. And uh, there's an awesome scene where you first get introduced to Godzilla underwater, and you see him in the ocean, like with his uh, um, spikes glowing, because he's they think he's like he's feel threatened by them. So they're all trying to turn the weapons off and all that. And dude, it 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 speaks much better than it's ever. Just like uh, yeah, it's I've like got, Godzilla, motherfucker. I'm gonna get you. It's funny because there was a jump scare when they're like, oh, thank God, because like, they have the window open and, like, and so you can see the ocean and, you can see, and it's like pitch black. Uh, and you see Godzilla who stops his uh, glowing and they're like, oh, thank God. But then he just jumps right in front of the window, like swim past and it's like, 
oh, you bastards. You just had to do that. <laughs> it's funny because well, there was this I, one guy. Like, Brad. What? At least it, at least it like, uh, actually gets the point across that Godzilla is meant to be as threatening as he seems. Yeah, literally the portrait is animals and he's put like in this movie, he's also like the good guy, basically, like the first film. Um so they definitely go over that direction of him just being like this like alpha predator kind of uh like creature, uh, as opposed to just like a destructive evil monster like he is in some of the movies previously. So it's an interesting take and, and Godzilla actually looks much better in this film. Uh I don't know if they changed the seat like the design, but like he looks a lot more badass in this one than he does in the first film. Because in the first film, uh he looks a bit uh like, like you had a hunchback half the time. That's my opinion, though. Uh, personally, I like the, the hunchback. Uh, he looks like he's got the fucking corporate like uh, fins and all that as well. But in this one, he just—I don't know—he actually does look like a uh, modern CGI take of uh, the classic Godzilla. But he's still got his 2014 like you know like shape, obviously. But he looks a bit more thinner from the neck. But uh, that's probably just the uh, the way the portrait him in this movie because uh, later on. Uh, it's not a spoiler, but it basically he changes his look as well, like second time around. And it looks even better uh, in the second half of the movie, but we'll get to that in a second though, because it's going to take us like a year to get this uh, <laughs> movie across. But uh, yeah, but then um, like apparently Godzilla's going to Antarctica because like the um, the alpha waves that they're using uh, like wake uh, King Ghidorah like from his sleep and all that. Um, he's going to try and go and stop King Ghidorah obviously because you know he's like an alpha predator as well. Like, he's like the biggest. Body off the mall, isn't he? Like, uh, oh. that's a little fun trivia. Uh, after him coming down to Antarctica, and they're all gonna follow. And Kyle Chandler's like the dad, um, has told him, Oh, we're gonna have to follow Godzilla because if, uh, if we follow Godzilla where he wants to go, then we might find the uh, box and his uh, obviously daughter and mother. That's it, that's his character arc, basically. Like, he wants to try and find those and like, uh, get he wants to kill Godzilla, like all the kaijus because everyone else wants to try and protect them. Um, because the scene where when not his character gets introduced, he's basically like, "Oh no, uh, we would be his pet, like for Godzilla's pet and all that." Because he he's one of those people that like uh, thinks that these guy like we can live with these titans and all that. Like you know, like uh, and Godzilla's the key to all this. While the military wants to kill him, and the main character wants to kill the uh, monsters as well. But then we get out Antarctica, and then we have the sequence of like the military fighting uh, the terrorists, but. Uh, Kyle Chandler's character goes and meets the mother outside where that Kukudora's icebox is on like this bridge. And then she's like, run. And then it just finds out that uh, she's like part of the eco terrorists. Like she actually was like, oh. like part of them all along. And she releases King Ghidorah and oh my God, dude, everyone's like, right, let's get the hell out of here. Uh, Sally Hawkins' character gets, literally she gets killed in like five seconds. Uh, King Ghidorah bites her, like um, takes a big chunk of the ground. It just eats her. Uh, that's the one with the black hair who hangs around with the Asian guy in the first one. She just gets okay. killed off straight away. Oh, yeah. And then everyone else, and like the, the daughter tries to save the, uh, the father in his group uh, by like changing the waves because King Ghidorah is literally like out of the hole and it's going to attack his helicopter because it's jammed. Oh, and I forgot to mention um, there's these comic relief characters. There's the guy with the uh, big nose who literally looks like a Marvel quip type character. He even says some daft jokes as well, but like he's passable, but he's not, he's not harmful, if that makes sense. He's, he's all right, he's there. Then you have this guy who looks like Martin Scorsese, who's always like the, uh, he's like a boomer. He always says like the catchphrases and all that, and like tries to be like the wacky type. And then you have this Asian last who um, I won't spoil, but she's a twin. She's an Asian twin, and the other ones working at a, a, a different monarch operation. Uh, just get just to give you a clue, there, mate. If you know your air Mothra law, and I just spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, okay. I, I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind. 
The only film I saw was Endgame, but we went to see that, so, you know. Faddles fucking dies. Should have went for the head. Uh, but yeah, back to the story. And then uh, yeah, King Ghidorah and Godzilla duke it out together. And it's actually one of the better fights as well, because like you see Godzilla trying his best to like blow the atomic breath and King Ghidorah's just like beating the crap out of him. And he ends up falling all, uh, like he ends up falling in the hall. And when he gets back up, King Ghidorah's like left because the uh, military's on its way to try and like blow him up, but it doesn't do crap to him. And then Godzilla does this like awesome raw. And, um, it, it has some of the retro iconic raw mixed in. It's not like the one in the 2004 when it was all like, you know, updated. This is like the original Raw, but like just mixed up a bit. So that was a nice touch. And then Kyle Chandler's uh, uh, character gets knocked out and then all back in the, uh, the giant military jet that they're all on for the rest of the movie, basically. And um, yeah, apparently King Ghidorah is out there. Like, just like now he's free. And Godzilla's like trying to find out uh, where he is and all that. And they're following Godzilla, obviously, uh, in the submarine or jet or whatever it is. And because uh, they've got like two, um, like, they're basically following Godzilla throughout the uh, movie, if that makes sense. And uh, oh, yeah, and, and and there's a scene when uh, the mother shows herself as the culprit behind the uh, agenda. They want to try and release all the monsters because they think that, uh, man, like, uh, we're like, we're like a disease and all that, and that these were here before us, and they just, uh, and there's a reason why they're all coming back and all that. So basically, she's taking like the uh, crazy kind of extreme fundamental like approach to this you know that typical counter rock and everyone's like oh you're insane and all that and uh they have a bigger and then uh the dad's like this is not going to bring andrew back and all that and then just like this is what andrew wants and then the daughter's like sitting there going dad i'm okay and all that and uh it's like typical human drama uh it was all right for what it was i think it's because the actors actually sell it if it was just played by like like very very bland actors it would have been a, a drag if that makes sense yeah so, i get you but it's all still written like in a cartoony fashion, like the dialogue and all that. So it's yeah, you know, uh, it's a, it's a, like high cinema, but it's doable. But yeah, after that, they find out that um, her her, her group, uh, Charles Dance and uh, Farmaker's group, are all going to release uh, another Titan from uh, I think it's New New Mexico, and of course it's Rodan. <laughs> of course it is. Okay. Um, Any Dude, I, there's a funny, uh, there's an awesome scene when he's like, oh, "You got to catch your name for this one," and then uh, the issue's like, like Rodan, the fire demon, and he's like, "Well, that's just uh, great. <laughs> that's just like you know." Well, <laughs> yeah, dude, there's an awesome shot when he actually gets released out of the volcano, and it pans through him, like releasing from smoke with his wings on fire, and he just looks at the crowds, and then he ends up like swinging, and it destroys the city just by flying, like it does in the original series. It's awesome. So I like that little. Uh, we, we we barely get enough of Rodan and Mothra in this in this movie, but what we do get from them, it's just awesome. You know what I mean? So they did they did what they did with them, and it was pretty good. And I like the design. I think it's probably one of the best uh, Rodan designs I've ever seen. It's uh, it's really good. So yeah, something to see. is actually all right as well. But yeah, they go and try and save all the people and all that because you know they have to evacuate. And uh, the mother was like hesitant because Charles Dances wants to release all these monsters right now, and she's like. She's not a villain, borderline villain like he is. She's like a flawed individual who thinks what she's doing is right kind of routine. And the daughter's like always the voice of reason out of those two. And she's like, don't let, let, let innocent people like escape first. Obviously, she turns the uh, how she awakens uh, Rodan is she puts the uh, box, the, the frequency wave back on and that awakens uh, Rodan out of his volcano. <laughs> and then apparently, 
there's a there's a moment when like the uh, the big nose comic relief guy is like, oh, uh, there's a storm that's going towards where we're going, to, uh, where Rodan is, and it's King Ghidorah, obviously, because in this movie, unlike the other ones, it controls like the Earth's weather and all that, and he's like this massive like hurricane with yellow lightning and all that. He's pretty demonic in this one. It's pretty well, good. I mean, King Ghidorah is meant to be like one of the most powerful monsters in the kaiju universe. He's literally Godzilla's uh, arch nemesis. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's got to be presented as such. Oh, dude, like, they, they do a good job with uh, Ghidorah for, for what they were going with. Um, anyway, but yeah, the plan is to try and, like, uh, um, distract Rodan with these fighter jets to, to um, like, you know, clash with uh, Ghidorah because he's going to try and, like, answer to the frequent wave because all the Titans around the world can hear this box. It, it They don't really explain it that well, but, like, basically, if you turn it up loud and it goes, like, you hear the wave noise. That awakens the monster or controls them because it's supposed to be like a, like either you could change it to make them feel threatened or you could change it to make them follow that sound to attack. If that makes sense. Um, and yeah, so that uh, when Fordan gets awakened, the, uh, Ken Watanabe's monarch group are distracting with jets and oh, dude, <laughs> the only time I laughed at that because they were trying their best with some jokes that weren't really funny, but like, like you know, like a, huh? or a little chuckle. In this one, uh, the guy's just trying to uh, like jack from the jet, and like it goes up, but it goes right in the Rodan's mouth, and Rodan just like eats the shit out of this guy. <laughs> I thought that was one of the funnier parts of the movie. <laughs> oh, well then, you know they <laughs> they show no mercy with the the victims in this movie, like the uh, red shirts. They get oh, destroyed yeah. by the monsters. It's great. Uh, I mean, so yeah, be, I mean that would be like the point of a monster rather than have it like contemplate on eating things over and over, like. It just goes straight for the kill relentlessly. Oh, dude, I forgot to mention earlier, but like the uh, goofy right head, the one that like, always gets like, you know, like hit by the middle head or like, you know, like told to stop doing that. He, uh, after after he electrifies some of the squad from back in Antarctica, scene, I forgot to mention the right head just literally licks the bodies and tries to eat it all. And then the, the, in disgust, the middle head's like, don't do that. <laughs> I love that. That was pretty funny as well. I um, gave him like individual personalities. Uh, uh, they definitely give the the right head and the left middle heads a personality. The one on the left is literally just dead to just, like destroy shit. It's pretty interesting what to do. Uh, but back to the uh, main scene. Um, so yeah, Rodan's following this jet. And dude, the way he he's probably up here when he was chasing the jets because he was going past them. Uh, he was doing like a world spin that destroyed like half of them. Uh, he was eating the jets one by one. There was one moment when he grabbed it by the claw and just like suffocated the jet underwater until it exploded. And you hear like this last scream. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> so someone wants to make this great. Uh, but yeah, after that bit, um, they're like, oh my God, are we going to make it in time? So this awesome established shot of the jet, like the main jet where the main characters are, go right to Ghidorah and you see nothing but smoke and yellow lightning and you see the silhouette slowly crumbling t- towards the air screen of Ghidorah and you see it like the faces glooming and it's awesome it's a proper good shot I'll have to get oh. a fear uh, like, fine. it's it's an amazing shot man I, I literally went to this movie the third time just to see the established shots like you know like the money shots because they were pretty good without it being like you know like that's one thing you don't want to see man that's one thing uh, it's good established shots on uh, this film like but it's not as like it doesn't let it flow like the first film does you know what I mean like how you have like Godzilla rising from the bridge and that feels like Cinema, you know what I mean? That's good. That's good stuff. Even if the uh, movie is a bit mediocre, this one right. it's more fast-paced at some moments. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it here's the thing. I, here's the thing. I'll give this movie credit so far. It never makes you feel bored. So on the entertainment value, I actually did get me money's worth. So it's got that going for it. 
And yet when Ghidorah fights Rodan for like two seconds before it cuts to the humans again, which really annoyed us, because every time you see those two like hit each other, it's like, oh my God, we're going to see this. And like, it's high budget glory. It just cuts like fucking those guys going, oh my God, um, what, 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 the oxygen destroyer, we're going to use that to try and blow them up instead. It's like, ah, shh, <laughs> give it five minutes, guys. Come on. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So like uh, overall, the film is really good, and also the uh, post post uh, <laughs> post credit scene. All right, I'll I'll discuss that. Uh, this, uh, we'll we'll jump to the third act. All right, the twins. There's t- the twins from Mothra in this because um, the next scene after Godzilla and Ghidorah fight, the, the oxygen destroyed. Um, like practically nearly kills him, so he goes into like a hibernation sleep, which is like, oh, well done, guys. You defeat the only thing that was going to stop Ghidorah from ruining the world. Ghidorah obviously wins the whole scene, and then like you have this awesome shot of him like screaming in a volcano, and all the Titans are gonna go and meet him around the world, and they reference King Kong and all that as well, so that's good. So then this, the next, like second half of the second act, you have Ken Watanabe sacrifice himself to try and bring Godzilla back, which is a whole different segment in its own right. It's fantastic. It's one of the only decent human moments in the film. Uh, you see one of the other twins like with Mothra's up. Um, well, Mothra was um cocooing and she uh, she shows herself in all this and that lovely glory and she goes towards where the main characters are and the uh, submarine and she shows them like um like where godzilla is uh he's on the tunnels that they've established or oh, where does he always go because we always lose him turns out there's like this underwater city that we're, used to worship godzilla and the titans years ago and he's he's under there trying to get like uh the, the center of the earth's core energy and then Ken Watanabe brings a nuclear bomb because they can't do anything else because they're in that situation. He kills himself to blow up to resurrect Godzilla. And he's literally stronger as ever. He's like twice as, he's twice as like badass looking. And then they basically My follow him to the sandbox. Go ahead. My power level is rising, overflowing. <laughs> Unlimited power. But yeah, just to wrap things up though, because I know I'd, I'd talk for like forever, but you know, I that's know me. It's the point of the review segment. But yeah, the daughter starts like, becoming plot relevant when she kidnaps the box because she hears her mother like giving like clues, speaking like, "Oh, we can try and like stop this and all that." Because she regrets it because like Ghidorah breaks all the Titans up instead of one by one, like the eco terrorists were trying to do, and she literally yeah. takes it all with a buster to try and like bring uh, Ghidorah and Godzilla to so basically have the third act and all that. And uh, she runs off with it. Uh, the mother's like in a little uh, moment where she's like, "Oh, is this right? Or is this wrong?" And all that. And they find my daughter and all that. And then you don't see Charles dance ever again after that. When she pulls a gun out, he's like, oh, we have everything we need. So he's obviously going to be in the sequel or whatever, like setting them up. And uh, the third act is literally just all the main characters, like trying to find uh, the daughter, like the father and the mother, recancelling all that. And all the army guys and uh, uh, the Asian lass are all like, all right, Godzilla's going to kick some ass. And then Mothra comes and joins the fight and helps. She she, she uses one good move on Ghidorah when she sprays the web uh, funeral all over him in the building. And you see a reflection of Godzilla behind Ghidorah. Just pulling him towards the building and knocking them out and all that. And then Rodan joins in because he's obviously an arsenic at this point because he's trying to like, because like, <laughs> yeah, he fights for Ghidorah basically. And uh, like, because like Ghidorah won in that last sequence in Mexico and obviously he beat the crap out of Rodan in yeah. like two seconds. So like he's trying to like, you know, like think he's the new king and all that. So it's King Ghidorah versus Godzilla. And, he's, and it's a good reference because uh, you have the oxygen destroyer. You have like the twins, Mothra and all that. Uh, but you also have him in his Destroyer look when he was like burning up, like f- like Inferno g- g- uh, Godzilla, like uh, burning meltdown and all that. At the end, when Mothra sacrifices herself because uh, she was injured from fighting Rodan, and she embarrassingly beats the crap out of Rodan with a stinger and throws him on the floor like he's nothing. 
And then, like, you have the characters trying to find out where the daughter is because she's, like, bringing Ghidorah in this Boston area where it's evacuated. And the fairy tax they treat us with good, good old action fun, but it does keep cutting away to the humans, like, perspective, which, again, a bit disappointing when you only see, like, 30 seconds of fights and that's it. But it was worth watching, like, Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan, Ghidorah having them place in the sun. Definitely loved that part of the movie. And then Godzilla, right. obviously, Mothra's uh, death. She, she has a little... Uh, Deitri enter Godzilla because he's like almost dying, uh, overheating. And so basically what the humans need to do is try to uh, give him enough of time to wake up again and kill off Ghidorah by distracting Ghidorah with the uh, box. And basically the mother sacrifices herself uh, to try and like keep the other characters in the jet um, like safe because they're all uh, and then she basically says long live the king. Uh, she's in the, uh, like in the street where Ghidorah's like trying to head, head his way to kill her and all that. And then Godzilla just comes out of nowhere and he's like, fire, look. It just burns everything around him. And he doesn't use his atomic breath. He just literally blows like, you know, like something like a Dragon Ball when you use like a massive power attack. He literally does that yeah. twice to Ghidorah. He melts every part of Ghidorah apart from the middle head. And then he just stamps on him. And then Ghidorah's like lightning explodes the whole city. And then you have like uh, his head coming out of the ruin. And you think, oh, Ghidorah survived this. But no, it's Godzilla eating it. And he blows it up with his atomic breath. Dude, proper fan of his that is. And then the end, it's basically like all the characters watching Godzilla rising up in the uh, destroyed city of uh, Boston. And all the monsters, including Rodan, are just looking at him and bowing down like he is the oh. king of monsters. That was good stuff. And yeah, um, my thoughts. Um, human drama was uh, like lackluster. Characters were very uh, cartoony, but they were memorable, though, by the performances, by some of them. And uh, the comic relief comedy was a bit hit and miss, but the badass moments were definitely the monsters, the sequences they were in. It's just, it's literally the production value that kind of let it down with its uh, editing and its choice of uh, director. But you know what? It's worth it, especially the post credit scene, where it looks like they're teasing either Mecha Ghidorah or Ghidorah coming back again, or even Destroyer. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. a post credit scene of his head. From earlier, because he gets he get the left head gets bitten off earlier halfway in the movie when he's fighting out uh, when God's alive and fighting before the oxygen destroyer ends up like nearly killing him. He bits off the head, but the head grows back, so it, it's established that Ghidorah has like regeneration powers. So oh, right. you never know, man. So I, I definitely enjoyed it, but as a as a as a cinema typical movie, I could see why people will find it uh, a bit bloated or like you know like oh, it wasn't as good as or some that, but I loved it for what it was. Uh, it just right. had some. Really bad- he has some problems. So there you go. I'll definitely check it out if you ever So it's five um, goofy Ghidorah heads out of ten. <laughs> goofy Ghidorah heads, yeah. That, that sums it up, I guess. Yeah. I give this movie six goofy Ghidorah heads out of ten in terms of Godzilla fan service. I meant to say mm-hmm. eight, six. Uh, five out of ten for the movie overall. But as a Godzilla, like, like fan service Fine. as a god kaiju flick it's definitely an 8 out of 10 uh, I hope they keep making uh, more movies after this though because obviously the box office is kind of like uh, not as good as what they were expecting but hopefully it'll be enough for them to continue with King Kong vs Godzilla which I'm definitely looking forward to uh, yeah. it's, de- it's definitely better than Kong Skull Island in my opinion this movie but that's just probably because I'm a big fan of Godzilla but yeah I definitely yeah. got me much worth and it's not like uh, it wasn't like Hellboy or like even uh other movies this year when I thought they were just like disappointing yeah. and I was just not really interested in watching them again. I watched this movie three times. So it definitely did something right. But again, it does have its criticisms. So there yeah. you go, my friend. Okay, <laughs> Good that's fun. great. Um, 
<laughs> so, um, what's it called? The next segment we're going to do is, uh, do you want to just, should it be my turn to ramble on about something or do you want to do UCAS or UCAS uh, or whatever? Uh, definitely go with your segment, man, because uh, I've literally spoke 30 minutes as well. I'm not about the movie, so. <laughs> All right, no problem. Okay, so, right. next, uh, next segment is coming up. And we're back. And we're back, yes. Um, so my segment. So recently, and you know this, I've been playing a game recently on the PC called Dragon Ball Heroes. Mm-hmm. So, Dragon Ball Heroes, it's basically a non-canon version of Dragon Ball where a load of crazy shit happens, basically. Is this the one where you basically like just go over the top with the uh, characters and the lore and all, and you create your own custom versions? Oh, yeah. Uh, you go nuts with lore. Like, for <laughs> example, um, like, for example, uh, like I said, Lord Slug. Um, I'll have to explain the Dark Dragon Balls first. So, the Dark Dragon Balls are basically... The like, you know how Goku finds the Dragon Balls and Shenron pops out of it and is like, eh, what's up, guys? You know, <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? It's your boy. <laughs> it's your boy, Shenron. Back at it again with another. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, was part of the Dragon Ball world. <laughs> uh, fucking YouTube hype beasts into <laughs> Shenron with Dragon right. Balls. Goku, get hype. <laughs> I am woke, guys. <laughs> oh, Christ. Uh, that would be a terrible time when Dragon Ball ends up getting full woke. <laughs> you see, like, that's the funny thing, because I think they tried to do it with Kefler by establishing she was stronger than Vegito, but then they okay. just had Gogeta Blue come out, and it was like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, they almost lost it there. <laughs> anyway, you were saying about the game? Oh, yeah, yeah, Dragon Ball. So, the Dark Dragon Balls are basically a polar opposite of um, the regular Dragon Balls. They have a dark, they have an entity called Dark Shenron. And what mm-hmm. they're made, they are made by, you know, Dende, the little green guy who was um, always around on planet, planet Namek. All right. Oh, just, just to establish here, ladies and gentlemen, um, literally, I'm, I'm a complete boomer when it comes to Dragon Ball. If you ever want to know your Dragon Ball stuff from the highly detailed, Jack's your guy. I still think the only great guy Dragon Ball is fucking Piccolo for crying out loud. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he's the same race as um, Piccolo. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's the same race. Um, uh, well, so I was half correct. <laughs> basically, you were almost correct, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what happened? Um, Dende is he got is he got took from a timeline, and he got put. He was basically got mind controlled by oh, okay. Toa, and they forced him to make a new set of Dragon Balls that conspire with the Demon Realm. All right, and the. Like the Dragon Balls, the normal Dragon Balls spread all over Earth. The uh, other Dragon Balls, um, the Namekian ones, spread all over Namek. And mm-hmm. the Super Dragon Balls spread between universes. But uh, the Dark Dragon Ball, are, they spread between space and time. Like, would you say like different realms or like different universes no, no, no. in general? No, 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 that's, that's Super Dragon Balls. Oh, okay. The Dark Dragon Ball spread throughout space and time itself. Ah. So one can end up in the 
past, one could end up in a far-flung future, one could end up in an alternate future. Ah, I see. But when they do, they normally fuse with the target that they're with. And with the target comes uh, someone very, very bad. Um, (laughs) Which are Zeno characters like Lord Slug, uh, Freezer, Cell, uh, Kid Boo, Janemba. Um, I'm actually going to get up the fucking list if you give me unos momentos. Ah, uh, yeah, I shall give you unos momentos, my friend. You go, <laughs> you go do I'm your nerd shit, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I, I can remember some of them, but I just want to get me sauce right, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, no worries, man. I just want to get me sauce right, because if, yeah. uh, if a Dragon Ball fan, like a die-hard one, mm-hmm. watches the podcast and... Uh, like I miss one, they'll be like, actually, this is one guy who who sucks a dog Dragon Ball up his ass. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm 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 the guy to be that person, you know, the one who doesn't know his, uh, his fucking stuff. <laughs> so the the hold of the Dragon Balls are yeah. Freezer, Cell, mm-hmm. Martin Boo, Turles, Janemba, Lord Slug, and Brawly, old Brawly, okay. not the new one. All right. And basically, it there's a load of shit that happens with it, right? Mm-hmm. So what they do is they merge with an evil entity to power them up. Right. And obviously, standard Dragon Ball, they allow a wish to be granted. Okay. But if the but if um if the horse of the Dark Dragon Ball isn't is defeated, but the Dark Dragon Ball is not removed in time. They will undergo a dark evolution, which is like a right. power up, but it's like the ultimate extreme. For example, mm-hmm. Turles goes completely fucking nuts because he eats from the tree of he eats from the, the tree of might, like he's supposed right. to. Just like like Krupti's mindset and all that, I'd imagine. He literally looks like something from the thing. <clears throat> Like, no, I definitely will check this show out. <laughs> like he's scars all over his body and everything. Yeah, he looks like he looks like someone from that old Alone in the Dark game from two thousand and nine. You know the one that absolutely fucking bombed. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> so he's a creation of Uwe Ball. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, but the fucking thing is. Oh no, 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 not the film, the game, the fucking. Oh movie. right, Before God, game, I don't know. I had a movie in my head. <laughs> the notorious game here. Hold up, I'll get up there. I'll open up a new tab and I'll fucking show you it. Um, right. oh, I but yeah, they go into the undergo something called a. They undergo something called a dark evolution, and it basically powers them up to the absolute maximum. Nice. And it literally makes people like Turles. Bear in mind, we're in like the god stages of Dragon Ball now. Like we have gods of destruction and all that type of shit. Is this more like sentient um, uh, characters now? Oh no, this is like um, non-canon. This is not part of the actual law. This is like just. Uh, a I'm saying, story, is it the, yeah, I'm saying it's part of the video game, right? Because yeah. Uh, as a, as a, a complete noob on this whole uh, Dragon Ball stuff, this is um, all like made up kind of uh, addition, like a what if. Uh, not, the, nothing to do with the actual law. Yeah? Canon. But it slowly might be coming, might 
be becoming cam- canon because, well, the game's Xenoverse set it off in motion, introducing like Mira and Toa and Dragon Ball Online, the Korean MMORPG of Dragon Ball, uh-huh. actually set off Hades, but they didn't have a real name for it at the time. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah. But I've so, sent you a picture of what Teles looks like on your. I've just seen it. Yeah, I've just seen it. Uh, yes. There's the design of the hair is very familiar. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a different edition, I'll tell you that. Go ahead. Yeah, so that's what happens. He takes a bite of the Tree of Might, and since his power has rose to a level where his body can't like keep it in thingy, he starts like. His body literally rips itself open, hence why he's got like fleshy scars all over his body. Like, if you get what I mean. Um, and uh, basically, there's another there's another one, another transformation that undergoes, which is very, very fucking weird. Uh, hold up. Hold up. Uh, I think it's called, I think it's Slugger, does it? Was, is this a mobile game or is this an uh, online game that you got on PC or Steam? By a chance? I, got it, I got it on Steam. The recent game that came out was Super Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission, which uh-huh. I got for the PC on release date. I pre-ordered it and everything. I, was, I stayed up the entire night it came out playing it and I, was, I couldn't have been fucking happier. <laughs> because a lot of people that take Dragon Ball really seriously, like Oh, Goku could fucking uh, punch the moon in half. And yeah. I'm just like, we got Turles, who was a low-class warrior, fucking shit up from going completely mad and uh, obtaining a dark dragon ball. What more could you fucking want? Yeah, isn't Goku's like kind of one uh, flaw is that he always wants his opponents to be at the strongest to fight them? Or is that like, kind yeah. of, is that like always his fundamental, isn't it? No, he, he likes fighting. He does like testing his strength, but sometimes he can go in too deep. All right. He always gets he always gets plot armor. Like, hit oh, so it's, like it's it's more like writing. It's more like the uh, like the writing of the show that kind of lets him win, like all the time. Yeah. Well, obviously, he's the right. protagonist. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Put some but, Game um, of Thrones shit on that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, um, but like it's typical trope. Protagonist trumps everyone. Uh, Especially well, America. it's all about the hero's journey, I'd imagine, uh, with yeah. uh, Dragon Ball. Considering it was it was the eighties, wasn't it, when the original uh, show was the produced? Dragon Ball was meant to be like a homage to Journey to the West, but it ended uh-huh. up getting like little spin on things. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, because uh, uh, the guy, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, wasn't uh, Goku like the guy who created Goku and all that? Like, was inspired by like the whole superhero archetype, wasn't he? Or am I thinking of someone else? I don't know about that, but Kira Toriyama made Goku out of Sun Wukong's image. Uh huh. Well, it's because apparently the uh, him and like let's say like Superman. Yeah, I'm bringing this up. Uh, like Superman have like similar like. Uh, yeah, like, they do. They were similarities, they were don't they? Sense of world, foreign planet. Yeah. So I wonder if this oh, is like yeah, uh, Japan's. I was gonna say I wonder if this is like Japan's answer to. Uh, like that kind of archetype, but d- d- written more human-like. Because uh, from what I've been, what I've seen, that Goku is more like, he's more. You can actually like identify with Goku's character a lot more because he acts like a human, behaves like a human. While Superman's like, you know, the freaking 
like he's like a walking device, MacGuffin, if that makes sense. Like uh, he's all he's all around perfect, and he's always ex- unless he's written like a like an alien in a different world who can't control his powers and all that. Most of the time in the classics, he's always like a, a like a, a a superhero stereotype at this point. While Goku obviously has his own personality and all that, and that's why I, I assume uh, when it came to the original Dragon Ball show that people loved the characters uh, more so than the story. Would you say? Yeah, like uh-huh. there's a lot of shit that happens. But um, back back to <laughs> heroes. Back to heroes. All right, back uh, to the uh, main topic. <laughs> the game. Um, so basically, like I said, there's Zenotola, and then there's mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Um, it's uh, I think it's Zeno Cell. He turns into a giant bug version of himself called Cell X. Cell X, eh? Uh... Well, sounds like a name. For, sounds like a name for a deodorant spray in two thousands, doesn't it? This Cell X. Get the new Cell X for the extreme crew. God, <laughs> fucking two thousand cheese. <laughs> Why do I get the feeling that bands like Blink One and Two want me to buy this product? <laughs> I tell you what, though, um, this game like that we brought to the segment. So it's 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 not like a canon. It doesn't involve the story, but it takes the elements of like a what if scenario with the law yeah. and the characters and combines them into like a giant like fest for all the fanboys and all the people who grew up with the Dragon Ball series. And it's just like you know, like it just goes full final wars with them. If you know what I mean, like uh, it's just like it's just like fan service after fan service with mixed up customers and all that. So people will get a good kick out of it. I would imagine. Especially since uh, ever since you got the gaming, you tell us about the stuff, and it's like, dude, I- I'll love to be like a proper diehard fan to see how amazing it is. Because um, like you have like characters that you like that you can actually like change into like different versions, scions, and all that. Uh, I, mean, because... I have Gohan Super Saiyan Four. Yeah, I mean, like, like that. Um, that from your perspective would be like, oh, fuck yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, I'm getting that kind of uh, like idea, if that makes sense. Uh, especially com- f- coming from someone who literally read the Wikipedia article. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fucking, this is why I'm the boomer version, folks. This is why I'm the boomer guy. <laughs> I even got a Kangaroos right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think also one of the uh, one of the uh, other ones that happened was. Uh, Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Have you? Uh, um, I think I've told you about him, uh, Lord Slug Zeno. How when he gets his Dark Dragon Ball, instead of turning into because you know how Namekians can like turn into like giant forms of themselves. Oh yeah, you definitely mentioned this on a phone call before. Like, uh... yeah. And yeah. Uh, what, what does fucking um? Excuse me. Does um fucking what's his name do? What slug? What does Lord fucking asshole slug do? What does he do? Ass slug do. What does slug do? He just fucking full on fuses with the earth. Yeah. Proper. uh, It's proper okay that like. (laughs) If you are, you you can beat him in the game. Uh, It's not fucking easy. 
Mm-hmm. When you mentioned about like fusing with Earth, do you mean like the entire like force of Earth, or like the like the elemental side of it? If that makes sense. Uh, well, fusions. We still get Gogeta, Vegito, and Gotenks, but we have some other uh, ones like Gohanks, which is Gohan and Trunks. Trunks. Yeah, Gohan and Trunks fuse together, and then there's Vegex, which is Vegeta and Trunks. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely do me uh, actually powerful. I, I definitely do me homework on the characters' names because I think the only ones I know is Fujita, uh, Freezer, Goku, obviously Piccolo. Uh, oh, yeah, I forget it. <laughs> turned golden. Say that again. You don't have Freezer turned golden. Okay. Freezer turned golden. Now Cooler turned golden. Mm. As in, so like, just so uh, the, is this game basically like you can make up like, uh, for like powers for like, different characters as well? Like for example, um, yeah. what's his name? You know, bad example, but you know Dragon Ball GT. <laughs> I've been told that's supposed to be really bad. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I like it for what it is. I'm not gonna lie. I think a friend of mine in college uh, when uh, that came out back. Well, I don't know if it came out like four years ago or something, but apparently he said it went against the original, uh, like, themes of the original Dragon Ball or something like that. Originally, yeah, I'm not going to lie there. All right, yeah. He mentioned that it was kind of, like, disheartening or, like, it just didn't feel the same and that's why he didn't give a crap about it after that. Aye. So, yes, you know, can't please some people, I guess. I guess this app doesn't like my uh, opinion. (laughs) No, No, just, I think it hit limit. I think it hit limit. I did it. Uh, we're sorry about that, folks, but uh, yeah, as you can tell, we're professional. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was saying, um, so like, yeah, it's like, what ifs of most characters and what have you like that. But um, what the other thing is, is that I like it because it like allows you to play as characters you wouldn't normally play as, such as Mercenary Tau, General Blue. Uh, I mean, they're in Budokai Tenkaichi 3, but I mean, these guys can get considerably powerful. Uh, right, it's just got like more freedom and all that. Like there's more freedom of whatever you want to do. It's like it's kind of a card game as well because it was based on an arcade game where it had like virtual oh. reality cards. It's from Japan. I mean, come on, Japan's more. It is Japan. Everything. Those guys are like uh, fifty years ahead of us. Uh, <laughs> question is, is it for the right reasons though? <laughs> yeah, I mean, same people that have like uh, crap right. machines you know, frozen and ice. <laughs> Who's in the third nook? I don't see. Oh, we're going to start. We're going to free. We're going to see that. I can see that. Dragon Ball. It's over nine thousand. Sad. I think. Oh, uh, what do you call it? I think uh, one of the um, other things that happens is. Uh, Oh, what's it called? Um, trying to think. Uh, man, I lost your thought. Um, <laughs> it's all right. We'll so, like, be there. You get so, like, as I said, but like, there's also forms in it. Like, you know, do you remember Deborah from the original series? He wore loads of blue. He looked like the stereotypical devil. Stereotypical devil. Like he had an M on his forehead. He's like, I oh, am right. 
So he's that kind of 80s villain. Like, they're, they're not, they don't make it really subtle. And it's, it's like hinted and all that. Well, he's, meant, he's, meant to be, he's meant to be king of the demon realm, but he gets hypnotized by a wrinkly old wizard person. As you, as you do. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so, it's his characteristic he, then. <laughs> well, he basically becomes a transformation exclusive to the denizens of the demon realm called Demon God. Okay. And... So you think to yourself, what the fuck? So <laughs> what they do is they go and track what they do is they go and track down um not Gabara, um they go and track down uh Margin Boo or Kid Boo in this case. And yeah. what they do with Kid Boo is they say, Oh, he has a dragon ball. So Debora mm-hmm. kicks his ass. And as he's taunting the um, Zeno Goku and Zeno Trunks and everyone, like the time patrollers, as he's yeah. taunting them, uh, Boo, instead of just lying there and taking it, what he does is he absorbs Dabura. Huh? Like, like how he did with <laughs> Gohan and, Go- and uh, Gohan Piccolo and Gotenks. All right. But, and he becomes demon, he becomes dark demon god Boo. Yeah. But that's not where it ends. In the good words of um, in the good words of Billy Mears. But wait, there's more. <laughs> so it gets even worse on a more. Um, basically, what happens is, is he turns around and basically absorbs fucking Janemba of all people and becomes, <laughs> it becomes Dark Demon God Janembu. I, I'd imagine like uh, people who only watched the original show and then got this game straight would be like, "What?" <laughs> I can yeah, like, but like, you know, and you get older and sync Goku and everyone and blah 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 and everything. Uh, you know what? You get this. This literally, sorry about this. Um, it literally, you know what this um whole talk about this game sums us up. I think this is video games done right in terms of uh given what the fans. Uh, what they don't re- expect what they actually need you know that kind of saying when um, like you oh, I've, I'm lost the words now Jesus Christ uh, yeah back to our saying <laughs> like they don't realise what they actually wanted if that makes sense uh, yeah like this game it, like I said it's made like a what if with these characters from the show and other shows of Dragon Ball and they customised them into like wow I didn't realise I needed this until now kind of like scenario so this sounds like the ultimate like fanboy the game, and it's like it's and a bit like you described it. It's actually like a decent fighting game as well, uh, like Dragon Ball. Game. Oh, it is. It can get really frustrating because it's like one of those timing bar things. Oh, like, see, yeah, yeah, and sometimes the the AI just fucking it bullshits you beyond belief. Is this like Warner Brothers' uh, mantra levels of bad AI? <laughs> Oh no! This is like, oh you you managed to get a perf you managed to get a just like one centimeter off a of perfect. Oh wait, I got a perfect, meaning I can do full damage to you. Yeah, that uh, that does sound like kind of a cop out in terms of like uh, if you were that close to like performing like a good combo, and then it just like oh yeah, you, and you're like oh fuck you. <laughs> I remember video games when they used to have bullshit things like that from NPCs or like AI or even freaking. Your own controller, you know what I mean? Aye. 
fitted game privileges. Oh, it's fucking it's a, it's an ass on this game to be honest. All right, but it's like it's like a love hate relationship. But it's just I, I imagine it's just what well, it's the charm of video games in general. You know, like, especially fighting games, like because without that or like glitches, what is there without just like a video game that fully works? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. In terms of like technology side of this, I mean, if a game's shitty story or like shitty uh, like gameplay in general, then yeah, no point. But yeah, speaking of gameplay, to sum it up, um, what is your final opinion on this game? And would you definitely recommend it for Dragon Ball fans? And even you, I definitely, I definitely would. Uh huh. But you gotta have, but you gotta have patience in the same because it also has a gacha system. All right. Gacha is... system is a very popular system. It's addictive as fuck, oh. in my eyes. Uh. Because what gacha does is it gives you a random chance to pick characters. Kind of like the game I used to play on my phone, if you think about it. This is what I was going to bring up, actually. Is this just as uh, intriguing as that card game in terms of like, being strategic and, like, you know, you have to plan stuff out before you, like, you make the move and all that? Or is this just literally just a, uh, like a role-play game, if that makes sense? It's, it's Yeah, it's a bit of both. All right. It's a bit of both. It's, gacha, it's also gacharized, which I quite like because I'm a big gacha fan. Uh, and what happens is uh, you can get various characters. Like recently I've been hunting for the Turles Crusher core because I found out that the Turles I have mm-hmm. he gains a power boost for each member of his Crusher core on his team, meaning he has a potential of one shot. He could just he could just full on charge onto the enemy, kick their asses. Alright, so um it it you know what this sounds like? It sounds it sounds like if this was done on like paper in terms of like uh, a TV show, people could be like, all right, this is getting very goofy, but for some reason it works on video games. Does that make sense? Uh, that's just going to be my freaking catchphrase from now on, if that makes sense. <laughs> you, see, you see, like, I would, if I could, I would bring my computer over yours. I would need to hook it up with a HDMI thing. Here's the thing. I would need to hook it up with a HDMI thing because the screen on it's fucked. Yeah, here's the thing, right? Our freaking, like, nerd culture and all, uh, not culture, uh, our freaking hobbies would clash so fucking well if one of our houses or the other actually could connect to, like, your console or your computer or our, like, you know, like, TV shows and all that. If we just fused right. this one, like, that character fused with Earth, <laughs> we would have the perfect freaking, like, nerd, um, like, history, if that makes sense. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I talk again? <laughs> Jesus, I'm a mess. Right. What do you expect? I've been working all day, people. I have to pay the roof of my head. <laughs> Fucking, you tell um, a joke, you tell okay. a <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, um, like, another thing I don't, I do like about, but what I don't like is the Dragon Ball fandom. Oh, you talk about like, the community of the uh, game or the Dragon Ball yeah. in general. Because everybody jumps on the board since Ultra Instinct got fucking um, released. Uh huh. Since Ultra Instinct got released, it was it's kind of turned into a bit of a shit show. Oh, good. Because word. everybody. Okay, right. You know how you get those like people who make characters and they're like, oh, he's like a a super demon death god of destruction. Is it so all that type of shit? Is it some sort of like fan fiction or like borderline fan fiction? Kind of. Kind of like that, but like they make the characters for themselves. Oh, I see. Oh, right. right. I like, see territory we're going with. But, uh, uh-huh. but basically, what happens 
is they um, turn around and basically say, oh, oh, that fucking, my character has super ultra instinct times 11, and he can, he can punch a hole in the universe and everything like that, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If, there's one way you can argue with a character, but they will, like, argue back and basically say, oh, my character's stronger than this guy because he doesn't have any, he doesn't have any, like, stamina cap or anything. Because Ultra Instinct, for a great pride, a great power boost to give you, bear in mind, like, if someone goes to punch you, your body will just move out of the way. It will literally, like, the go punch, if it was doing, like, a straight punch to your face, you, your, your body would just basically fucking, well, it would just instinctively move to the side. Like, really good reflexes, basically. And godly reflexes. <laughs> oh, godly. We're bringing a godly word into this now. <laughs> godly reflexes, because basically what happens is is that they just... Focus. I think it was on one of them, Goku, and, like, this guy was just, like, throwing multiple key blasts at him. And he was walking through them, dodging them, just like, uh, what? Like, no effort whatsoever, just like, uh, whatever, you know. <laughs> You're nothing. That's all true. You get a gigantic power boost and everything, right? Uh-huh. Like an, an almost in, like unparalleled power boost. Mm-hmm. But, but the thing is that they... Um, uh, how can I say this? Ultra Instinct can kill you. Just like... <laughs> You're dead. Well, I'm go- okay, right. I will literally read the drawbacks of Ultra Instinct to you. Go right ahead, man. Right, let me just get it up. Ultra Instinct. There we go, because there's two Ultra Instincts. There's Ultra Instinct uh, Sign, and Ultra Instinct Sign's kind of like a you've discovered it, but you haven't mastered it. If you get what I mean. The best part, people, where you go to the toilet break. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> All right, I'll, ex- I'll explain what it is. Right. <laughs> toilet break's over. Come back. <laughs> uh, fucking hell. Um, largest drawback of Ultra Instinct is difficult to put the button. Okay. Like his. Um, also, he can't use the technique at will. So you can't just summon it like Super Saiyan. Mm-hmm. You can't just like whip it out of nowhere. All right. Fair enough. Um, Anything else to add? Anything else to add? Um, basically, what happens to what is? Uh, let's have a look. <laughs> people can't. People can't. Um, people can't like. Um, What's it called? Like they can't maintain the form for long. It's like a temporary power boost. Uh, you get the power boost beyond, like gives you unparalleled power, reflexes, stamina, speed, but it doesn't last forever. I was gonna say it doesn't use up all the energy. It's like all those kind of effective powers. So it's like oh, it's, no, it, when, it, when it, it uses up, I think in um, I think during the end when he's like fighting Jiren, he literally like his back just starts. Spewing blood because it's literally like ripping him from the inside out. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. 
Dragon Ball isn't like what it used to be. It's like really, it gets really dark from time to time. Does it have like that kind of like grittiness to it now? Because I remember the original show uh, being a bit more, not Disney fight, but a bit more like child at heart kind of you, uh, like innocence to it, if that makes sense. Well, Think of it this way. Think of it this way, right? Uh, the Harry Potter films, for instance. Uh, you know how the first two are like very, like you know, like uh, warmly and like you know, like whimsical. But then when it got to the third film, it, it started becoming mature. And then by the the second half of the series, it just got borderline dark and uh, like you know, like uh, thriller esque. If that makes sense, like everything's just oh. adult like levels of freaking uh, violence and all that. Oh. So right. oh, I yeah, think that's I... the best way to sum it up from. Uh, Outsider's perspective, I'd imagine. <laughs> Basically, it's a gigantic power book for, for a really steep price. It's dirty deeds done dirt cheap, basically. Filthy acts at a reasonable price. Haha. <laughs> um, but, anyways. But, uh, anyways. Uh, this segment's over. I've rambled on about whatever the fuck, so we're going to do, se- do the last segment soon. The last and um, final segment. We're going to take, take a quick a quick break, and we'll be back with a fucking rant. Oh yeah, but basically my life story in the last week. <laughs> his life story. His life story in the last week, uh, and I've just remembered I've got D and D tomorrow. God damn it! <laughs> you've got D and D. I've got Dean and Dean to work with tomorrow at Asda. <laughs> oh, so I've got my little uh, game. It's called payments. You know what I mean? Christ. Anyway. Yeah, we shall finish this segment and we shall go to our final one, which is basically what we normally ramble or talk about life uh, in news of the week or whatever. In general. Exactly. Yeah. We'll be right back. All right. Be right back. Oh, this is Tori. We're in. You're bang and shit, Billy. Oh, she's done you. <laughs> There. All right, oh, we shall officially go and sort this podcast out once and for all. Oh. <laughs> all right, you yeah. are. I'm getting better at my voice. I've just been like, that's probably where my comedy comes from. I'm just like fucking voice cracks all the time. Yeah. When I was like explaining fucking uh, like people making all season characters and basically like, my character is Super Saiyan times a million, and he's also a demon god. Uh, I still always do me freaking your uh, impression. I was like, I think I'm better than you. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, folks. <laughs> So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is literally going to be the part of the podcast where we're just going to take about. Uh, this won't be like territorial like the other two are. This one would just be borderline us just being nuts. So well, yeah, ex- exactly. uh, except for that rant. Uh, yeah, that's supposed to be a thing. <laughs> all right, shall shall we begin the butterfingers of all rants here? Butterfingers, <laughs> yeah. All right, you are. You see, you see, you see, right. That's a good. That's a good thing. We should start with the rant, which is why oh, I yeah. developed this inhibitor chip <laughs> to protect my ridge. <laughs> to protect my butterfinger. Uh, <laughs> rats up in a crash a little. Um, in case anyone's not wondering, we are referencing some beautiful, Bad. beautiful YouTube poops on YouTube, it's my a, friends. It's a, um, <laughs> it's a spicy meme. 
Aye. If you ever want to check it out, it's um, good old Into the Pizza First videos by a channel called Friendly Fingers. That, that boy. Uh, <laughs> that underrated boy. Oh, yeah. Shout out to that uh, channel. Definitely check I out still, the uh, groups. <laughs> I do like the robot one. He's like, <laughs> he just gets booted all the way across the city. He's like, ta-da! <laughs> I saw body. Yeah, it's got that kind of stuff in it as well. I'm always gonna love. Uh, I'm always gonna love the Spider-Man ones because who doesn't love Tobey Maguire Spider-Man? I mean, even people oh, yeah. who Sam Raimi films love Tobey Maguire Spider-Man memes. Maguire, <laughs> I'm gonna say this now. I'm probably gonna get a a lot of people fucking like turning around and basically saying, "Oh, but what about Tom Holland?" Just like shut up, man. Fucking. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of. Uh, Iron Boy, yeah. So come at, boy. Guys, come at me, come at me. But still, though, do check out Far From Home, sponsored by uh, Marvel. Here, it's supposed to be the best movie of the year, better than Endgame. Why? This- I said that in an honest opinion. I'm not paid. All right, I'm not paid by the critics. My opinion. <laughs> do you know how much I sacrifice? Oh, you fruitcake. <laughs> oh god we've been caught that guy all day can't we <laughs> and you came in the face aye you know who else came in my face the fucking supervisors behind you Cass so let's do this <laughs> let's do this <laughs> let's do this right people um, uni is great and all applying it could be it could be tough uh, if you don't know what you're doing but you Cass is normally like a site where you like uh, it helps you uh, get an account to sign on uh, to uh, university websites and all that, and it helps your student finances. It pays for your uh, like entry fee and all that. Uh, I think everyone knows what UCAS is in the UK, so just, just, just skip the encyclopedia side of it. I applied back in January uh, to certain universities, got back in touch with one of them, let's just say. And as the story goes, you progress throughout the months, you do it earlier so you can get the uh, same year's entry sorted out in time. Except there's a catch to this. Uh, you got three years guarantee on your uh, UCAS account, free, minimum to three years, and then it expires. It, it gets automatically delayed, even if you don't even realise that or not. Did not know that was a thing when I did that back in 2017. Keep in mind, uh, I applied back in January when I still had my account, still still completely in the clear. And there, like, there was no deadlines until like almost two weeks ago from now. And... Uh, I never heard back from the unis until like supposedly a week after I got the UCAS account expired. So I missed out on the uh, the invitation to interview uh, slash tour so I can like try and get the clearing and all that, which is basically like, it's like kind of like the next step into like, you know, definitely confirmation of like getting your entry because you get your application, they get back in touch with you and all that. Uh Basically, I could. I didn't realize it was on the last week. Uh, last week, sorry, uh, couldn't because UCAS didn't give us notification emails. Only found out when um, I went rang the uni site and I told them like the situation, and then they told us uh, this anonymous university. Oh, sorry, we, we can't accept your entry anymore because uh, you did not like you did not like prepare, like meet out um, in time and, and vice versa. Like. Uh, we, we couldn't get anything sorted out and we had to give it to someone else who clearly needed it more. But obviously, I could understand it from their point of view that we don't want anyone like, leaving us to the last minute. Uh, except, UCAS didn't tell me about that at all. 
uh, about the whole deadline until I just found out like recently. And um, it's kind of a shock considering I've wasted months and months of like waiting when in reality it was never going to end up coming now because of that freaking expiry date. So not only if I like no longer doing the course I want to do for like the last day, I almost eight months in the making, like planning, want to do this specific course, but I had to go and try and get a new account, which uh, does cost you uh, a fee um, to apply again, basically. So I had to do everything from scratch again in like short amount of time now, which is just crazy because it affects me work because Here's the thing about working uni, you can still do both at once. But since my original plan was to do like you know, like most of the days at uni and, and reduce me hours of work, I had to tell them all my supervisors, my boss and all that. And uh now it's gonna now I'm gonna seem like an absolute idiot because mm. uh, now that uni course, specifically the one that was gonna fit in with the curriculum rotor and all that, is non existent. But luckily, the good news now, after Tuesday, that's gone. I've managed to get another course, like anticipated and signed up, and I'm back back to square one again. But this time around, with a new UCAS account, I won't get any freaking you know expiry dates or like my channel won't uh, channel uh my account won't exist and all that. So uh, forgive the beeps there, but you know <laughs> it's kind of personal. But oh, uh, I I don't get me wrong. all right, anyways, you know we're, we're bootleggers. <laughs> uh, but back to what I was saying. No. So this life lesson, always check your uh, expiry dates on your freaking accounts that's supposed to organize uni stuff because it can bite you in the arse, unfortunately. And I had me uh, bad face. I had me angry face. And now I'm on the uh, whatever face. And after all, I'm, I've barely managed to get a, a course that's just as good potential as this the previous one at a different uni. So I managed to get that back. And I managed to... Do, um, since I did get paid the other day, it's not like like wasting money is not that bothered. It's only like a tenner anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of uh, uh, dangerous out there in this day. And it's like uh, to be that kind of loose and care uh, carefree, especially when uh, you think that they'll actually leave it after you've already signed up to a, a university and you know it's it's going to be like, you know, model, model, but it's decided to get rid of the account anyway. So yeah. Fuck you, Cass, for that, but also thank you, Cass, for actually giving us a second chance. So there's my little rant. Sounds more like a fucking sympathy story, but you know. <laughs> I'm going to do, do a little rant myself now because I found something I can rant about. Yay, rant people, drama. <laughs> this is what's going to get the highlights, my friends. Uh, but yeah, but all, all, overall, though, uh, don't rely on you, Cass, as much as you want to, like I did, because again, it's not as well as cracked up to be, and I've only managed from the skin of my teeth to get another uh, university course before it was too late for because uh, September is where like we start. So yeah, be careful out there, people. And uh, yeah, if you end up going to uni itself, <laughs> best of luck. That's all I gotta say. All right. So my um my rant is re- my rant of recent. So you know the job center. All oh, right, I know I know where you're going with this one. Yeah, keep keep a good eye on this one. Yeah, you definitely told us because it, it happened to me as well. But we'll go with your rant because it's a lot more uh, recent. So go ahead. Um, so basically, what happened is that okay, right. So I'm currently searching for different jobs because my placement fee is uh, was over. So I thought, hey, might as well look. 
So I've been asking the job center, hey, is there any courses I can go on that have a, um, you know, like have a like job outcome at the end of it? Uh-huh. So I missed, okay, right. So I messaged him first. I was like, okay, so I want to go on Talent Match because um, I personally know the guy who runs the Talent Match in my area because he came to the placement I was at mm-hmm. and we had a chat about it. And so what happened was, is that, um, yeah, the message is back. So they made an appointment with them, but then they had to cancel the appointment because all the slots were taken. I was like, okay, fair enough. That's a fair enough reason by my case. But then mm-hmm. this Sunday just went, I messaged them, hey, is there any courses I can go on which guarantee like a job at, at the end of them? Uh-huh. Which is fair enough, right? Yeah. Oh, keep in mind, job center like uh, traineeship slash like you know like apprenticeship like work apprenticeships that gives you experience. They normally do guarantee you like a uh, interview to get the job as long as it goes all well and you apply and you end up applying and all that. It should be guaranteed like uh, that chance. Um, there's no ifs and buts because that's what they're supposed to be doing. It is the job center after all. You know what I mean? Anyway, back but, to what um, you were saying. What I was saying. So basically, what happened was, is they turned around. Mm-hmm. I said, is there any, you know, is there any, like, things I can have, right? Is there anything right. I can do? So what happened was, is that I turned around and said, is there any, is there any courses? They didn't message me till Wednesday, but they had the nerve to turn around and say, all of our slots. We're finished. We're taken off on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Very convenient timing, isn't it? Yeah. And I was like, but the job is open Monday to Friday. Uh-huh. So they didn't message me for two days, but conveniently messaged me on the fucking day after. Mm-hmm. And do you want to know what they had the nerve to turn around and say? Oh, what did they say, my friend? Oh, I noticed you haven't been applying for jobs lately. Yep. Wait, wait to try and victimise yourselves and try and blame the uh, client as opposed to them fucking up the times and like that their job to get you an actual placement considering you are working at the placement and they're supposed to be doing all they can in their path to help get you this uh, potential. Like Princess Trust, good example. One person might want to do his studies but then the job center said, go to this date and time. And then that person may might go to exactly what the job center tells them. But then it turns out that that's a different entire course and you missed out the one by just a day. And then you go back to that job center and tell them, oh, you screwed up the date and time. I can't go anymore because they've already done the signing up and all that. And like the course has already started off without me. And then they say, oh, that's too bad. My bad. By the way, have you uh, continued searching for jobs? It's that kind of patronizing like tone and careless of the, uh, their clients. That gives the job center a bad name in the first place. And what exactly. you described there, my friend, yep, exactly. What they described is just complete borderline laziness on their part and downright shady on being like very uh, like careless with, that, with the approach, which affects you more because considering you want to get a goddamn job out of something that you want to do that's in your work area field. And you've got that chance now, but yet they go and do something like that. Especially since the job center normally is supposed to be doing all in the path to try and get people off the uh, universal like credits and uh, uh, benefit money 
and get you into a different job, you know, like contribute to society. Well, guess what? We could be doing that if the job centre doesn't keep making stupid decisions like that. And like you said, when they come back and tell you, oh, have you been applying? What they should be telling this saying, like, we do are deeply sorry about that, but are you still doing what we told you to do originally and all that? And then if you tell them, of course, and all that, they should move on and say, like, right, we'll try again next time with a different placement. Or just say, we deeply apologise for screwing us up. We'll do all our paths to try and get you at least another entry and tell the uh, job place that, we, that they were the ones that, like, made a mistake. So you still get that fair treatment. But that's just my wishful thinking. In reality, you're going to have to apply for a different entire work field because of their uh, incompetence. Well, I did apply recently for a gallery attendant in Durham. Uh, oh, yeah. You've mentioned this before. Yeah. I it's like a scenario, man. Um, we definitely talked about this. Uh, it, it's always starting from the bottom and working with the top. That's how people do it, you know, washing tables, surfing in bars. It, it, it may be not much, like, looking at it, be like, oh, I don't want to do this. But, like, especially for us two as well, this year so far, it can help. It builds it builds you up. And not just that, but you've got experience in the workforce already because of that. And it's much better than just us sitting on our asses just doing nothing, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and we could definitely, definitely confirm that uh, certain institution sites, like <clears throat> Job Centre, <clears throat> UCAS, can definitely be as useful as fucking cock-flavoured lollipop. And yes, that is a judgeable reference. <laughs> I knew I recognised that straight away, but like that was a bit sly of them to turn around and basically say, "Oh yeah, the the courses have run out." But uh, I noticed that you have been looking and not applying, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, it does explain why it's always very cold when you enter the job centre. Yeah, I can see where it comes from now. Uh, manners. Okay, right. Worked in which is Washington. Uh huh. It's in Washington. Mm hmm. Okay. Right. They were really, really good friends with me. Like they actually acted human. Yeah. Like they actually had like a warm hospitality and it made you feel welcome, yeah. even though like the the whole point is to try and like get jobs for you sorted immediately. They didn't they didn't like rush it or like just treat you like a cargo. They yeah, literally they're... sat down and be like, "All right, what do you want to do in your future? Where do you want to start? Uh, what can we do to help?" You know, that's what the concept of the job center is supposed to be about, not like a freaking camp, like a, a prison camp. You know what I mean? The one I went oh. to, uh, you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, luckily, I managed to get a job coach that was okay enough and actually give a crap. But every time uh, I would go in that building, yeah, yeah, it's haunting. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I keep it as fake as possible though, because you know, <laughs> in that. Oh, yeah. um, but yeah, long story short, though, people, uh, job center, it's a good opportunity if you've got nothing on your air by belts, like to get like a start, a start like a new job or like a start from the bottom and working with the top, like because uh, in our part of life, we do need to rely on like uh, good old fashioned part time jobs and like, you know, like, like uh, main jobs that help feed your bread and butter on the table, whether you want to be like an artist or like an IT technician. Like, you're always going to have to look for something on, on, like, the job smash site and all that at one point. Uh, but the problem is, though, for our experience anyway, like, the job centre and, like, obviously, like, other places as well, like, uh, universal job smash, it, it could be good for some. And then, like, in your case, Jack, like, you just get the worst deal and you get the most unluckiest, like, results due to some, like, other, like, powers beyond your procedure. So, like, you do your part of the bargain, but they, they don't do theirs but that affects you. It doesn't affect them. 
and that's just that's just borderline like abusive in terms of like uh like influence of one's uh op- like future decision making but again that's a different run for another time when it comes to like today's uh, britain's uh way of life if that makes sense <laughs> so oh, yeah. yeah yeah but i remember when you first told me that i was like fucking hell it's history repeating itself because remember when it happened to me as well uh when I wanted to do like this film course and then like, they screwed me over if I uh, like wrong date and week and all that. It's like, why would you do that? That was literally my ticket way to try and do like a uh, freelance career in what I want to do the most. Luckily, yeah. I've ca- look back at it now, I'm kind of glad that I decided to tell them, oh yeah, sh- should we do like uh, just like a traineeship course? And then we picked like Asda and then the rest is history. And now I've got a job there. You know what I mean? And uh, just, just to let everyone know, Nothing wrong with working the place that you never thought you could end up being because at the end of the day, uh, as long as you keep your, uh, you know, like your chin up and you think about the money and you realise that um, you could be in a worse state, you have that mindset of be like, yeah, let's do this work, let's do this. You know what I mean? Because life's not fair. You know what I mean, as we could evidently tell with that freaking life would be fiction ball. It could be like G.J. with James uh, chants, loud and obnoxious. <laughs> I want to shit for the shit criminal. Catch him in the act. Catch him and stick him in the cookie jar. Speaking of cookie jars, I might get some cookies. <laughs> I feel I feel a bit peckish after a massive run. Uh, but yeah, dude. You're not here when you're hungry. You're not here when you're hungry. I'm allergic to nuts, so fuck niggas. Dude, that's nuts. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking Seth um, over here. <laughs> oh, God. I'll do a really good laugh for that. Like, uh... But yeah, uh, back to what you said about the job centre, though, just to wrap things up with our rants, because <laughs> I didn't realise it was that tw- it was 20 minutes long, Jesus. <laughs> Fucking long... Long and long. Um, no, right. Okay, so like, what was that? Oh yeah. Um, so like, basically, yeah, they fucked me up big time, and had the fucking nerve to actually like turn around and say, "Oh, we've been doing the job search." Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. It, it always ends up being people with like such punchable faces as well. That's it. You know, like the ones with the content and tone, and like they look at you like you do. It's like, oh, you just you just make the matters worse. You. you know I, mean? I heard apparently in the one that you know you used to go to and I currently still go to. Um, oh, yeah. Apparently, there was this uh, one. There was this work coach who sanctioned someone on the grounds of she was having a bad day. Oh yeah, I remember you told me about that when she got, she had, she let her emotions uh, dictate uh, her, like her job occupation, and she abused, uh, and she basically took like over that and just like victim, uh, bullied this uh, poor client, uh, a person who, uh, who was a job coach with, because she was having a bad rough time, and then she took it out on the person as opposed to just keeping the professional. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that. Explain to the audience so about the whole situation. So basically, what happened was is that um, she was having a bad day. She was stressed, apparently, and everything like that. But this client came in. He looked 
like he looked okay. He looked. He didn't look like a scumbag or anything. He was like, he looked generally like a nice person. Just like an average dude, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Uh, she saw, well, not having like a full-on fucking shouting fit, but like a really like disciplined thingy at them, and uh-huh. was like, oh, if you if you come back next time without a a single like application under your belt, I'm gonna sanction you. And we're gonna take all, and we're gonna take ninety percent of your money off you. And he was like, "Well, I've got like that's my only money because I live on my own and I don't have any other income." And she just yeah. like, "Tough, you go do." So it sound like bank investors there, like if they get pissy. You know what I mean, like we'll take your house and everything, <laughs> but not yeah. as that extreme. Uh huh. Yeah, but yeah. like, and like the same thing. I thought that was pretty fucking. I I felt really, really sorry for the guy. I can't go too hard on a person just because of that. You know what I mean? Like, uh... really, really, really sorry for him. And then she was just uh, like, oh, "I'm having such a bad day," and everything like that. And you're like, "So what? You're gonna uh-huh. sanction a guy just because of your fucking like mishaps?" Yeah. You don't see people in the military, like in higher ups, be like, oh, I'm having a bad day. Oh, I'm going to just shoot these prisoners. You know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously, that's an extreme comparison, but it still stands for the similarities. Mega powers, country leader, is just like, oh, I'm having a bad gear. A bad gear. <laughs> a bad gear. Oh, there's bad gears. <laughs> right. Dude, I'm supposed to be the one that stutters for crying out loud. Oh, remember that time when I was trying to say a minute militia post? It sounded like a motorbike. Fatty would hit the piss out of you. Ah, little shithead. Fucking hell, man. But, like, as I was saying, right, so basically, like, um, like, you don't say, like, uh, like, mega power leaders just, oh, I'm having a bad day. I might as well just, you know, press the nuke button. <laughs> Like, to be fair, that, that sounds like me. That sounds like me if I was a leader. You know, like, oh, I'm having a bad day. Let's just kill half the nation. Because <laughs> LOL. You know what I mean? JK. I might as well fucking, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> I might as well fucking... <laughs> might as well ask Russia for mutually assured destruction. Yeah. We'll tell the uh, Russian hacker known as 4chan to try and, like, destroy our computer systems so it would cause us into World War Three. Because why not? I mean, yeah. World War... Yeah, boy. That's very brave and stunning. <laughs> I tell you what, isn't brave and stunning though? That last at the job centre. <laughs> Fucking hell. She was bored and brash and more like trash. <laughs> Christ. So, yeah. Definitely not. I tell you what, though, yeah. uh, just to sum this up, though, uh, people, never rely on institutions, <laughs> especially public related ones. Apart from that one, what was that one song? Um, I'm trying to think what it's called. Institutionalized by Suicidal Tendencies. Oh, yeah? Oh, also, last segment. Go ahead. New musical discovery. All right, we should end that segment then. Yeah, so we're going to take about, it'll be two seconds for us. It'll be however long for the audience. Uh-huh. This last segment is just a new musical discovery of a new band I've discovered because each week I'm going to dive into the world of music and look at a new group 
or sing right. or whatever. That would definitely be the plan. Um, you bring yours every weekly. I'll bring mine every fortnight <laughs> in terms of music discussion. I did not realise that was going to be the final segment. I thought that was going to be a miss this week. Oh, <laughs> so that was a fun fact. Final segment coming up. Hi, take care. Because I've definitely listened to some of the songs and. Um... Oh wait 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 the fucking thingy cut out. <laughs> I pressed them in my and I clacked it off. Okay, so this segment. I didn't realize we we're working in. Uh, I didn't realize we we're working in China network. Jesus Christ. <laughs> China. China. So basically, Chinese people, they're amazing. The the really good good workers. Uh, this is Donald Trump signing out. Back to this. Back to this. Um. So basically, recommendations. So my biggest recommendation is a band called Pop Evil. Basically, uh-huh. what they are is um, they are kind of like they came out around the time where bands like Breaking Benjamin and such were big. You know, basically almost dark, not gothic, not gothic by a stretch, but like they were trying to go for like a darker, edgy style of goth because goth's mm-hmm. meant to be like elegant and symphonic and everything like that. Well. Emo music's like really fucking like just edgy. It takes elements for that, but not in terms of like expanding them on for the better. It just uses the characteristics for their own genre, but it's it's just like a bad mix. I think like screamo, for instance, and all that, yeah. and uh, like the core type music. So there are some genres like uh, metalcore and deathcore oh. that I actually don't mind. But then you have something like uh, I think it's called crunchcore or crunkcore. That's like oh, oh yeah, no, no, crunkcore. Fuck Crump, yeah. Uh, it's stuff like that, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, don't, don't, no, just don't. Uh, uh, no. Again, that's a whole different story for another day. Uh, in terms of pop people, like I mentioned earlier before, uh, you know, we had our sponsorship. <laughs> it was basically <laughs> that pop evil is for those music that you can actually stick on in the car, in the radio, and you actually can't like jump to it. While if you put oh, on like one of the Magic Dragon songs on, you're like, uh, it's not doing it for me. It could, it, it might be favourable for some people, but it's all those music where you just put it in the background and you don't really uh, give a crap. This is background music. While Pop Evil, you actually generally do want to listen to it. And it's like from that Pop similar Evil, kind of era music. Some of the what? songs, you have like ballad songs like Monster You Made. Um, you get really like, how can I say, like, I would say like, the kind of like Nickelback type songs, like country rockish type stuff. Which is, I was going to say, which is it's like um, 2000s country conventional, but it's, they don't play the it's, safe like Nickelback does. Back song, but way better. Uh huh. Which is a better, like, uh, produced, like, basically. Although in their latest album, I think it's uh, Waking Lions, they actually experimented with core type music. And they did ah. it really well, but not like zero screaming, just like the same vocals that um, I forgot what he, I forgot what the lead singer's name is. But like he can't <laughs> exactly the same throughout it, and I liked it because uh, I was all oh, screaming, emo guys, fucking, eh, 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 fucking all that uh, shit. But um, like they, they try, they try to be like post crunch type focus, you know, when it has that kind of like uh, like focal but, range trip. But like it sometimes sounds like us. During the metalcore phase, they started like slipping into like lead singers who sung like basically like girls and were only known for being pretty boys. What, you mean like Michael McCormance and all that? 
Yeah, or like sleep with sirens and all that stuff. Ah. Um, and basically, one of the songs that that Pop Evil did was called "Waking Lions," and that's right. like it. That's like the that's like the game mm-hmm. that the play, which is just usual like core music. But they kept the vocals the same. It actually sounds really, really, really fucking good. Um, right. My recommendations of my recommendations of songs is um, "Waking Lions," uh, uh-huh. "Trenches," "Welcome to Reality," and "Last Man Standing." Those fucking. I was going to say, I remember "Last Man Standing" and "Trenches" being the two songs I was going to listen to before this podcast because he definitely told me about these through Messenger on uh, uh-huh. like some of the songs, and I was like, I'll give them a listen because obviously it's not something that I put because it's. Not my type of music, obviously, but the, the best thing about this segment, ladies and gentlemen, we get all types of music to talk about, uh, and we bring it to the table and dissect it and basically like recommend it to people, especially right. considering we might discover new music of our own. I mean, I didn't realize, uh, like, our friend, I've got a friend who literally didn't know who Mr. Bungle was, for crying out loud, until I showed him it, like, literally, the song, because he was like, I needed this in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it's just like, Mr. stuff like Bungle. that happens all the time. Oh. I right. can't beat the squeeze me macaroni uh, era of music. Get some, get some, um, tunes and you know I mean? But yeah, back to the pop evil there segment because um, I'll say like we'll give it ten minutes each recommendation, and you halfway through yours, my man. So go right ahead, talk about the albums and the uh, evolution of um. This everlasting band. Well, you see, like, I would say my favorite band by them, not my favorite band, <laughs> my favorite album. <laughs> my, favorite. my favorite genre. <laughs> album by them is definitely Onyx. Okay. Or War of the Angels, because they're the most hard hitting band, like, hard hitting. Like... <laughs> Man, there's a lot of bands out there called Pop Evil, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So, um, is that the earlier works or is that the more later? Uh, it's, it's, oh. uh, it's early, definitely. The latest album was uh, Waking Light. It's either called Waking Light or Be Legendary. I, I fucking forgot. Hmm. Um, but that's also really good. But I would say their most yeah. is definitely like Onyx and War of the Angels. Uh, uh, I see. Another definitely start off at the beginning. Another recommendation, and this is a video game soundtrack. Something I Go don't ahead. know listen to the doom 2016 soundtrack well to be fair doom 2016 overall was supposed to be like a really good game so i imagine this uh, soundtrack would just be like be as high as quality mick gordon personal fucking hero of mine because i really want to try and get into music composition but i don't want to be like held down to the point where it's like um oh uh we own you we can we can choose the musical direction that you're going in and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, Mick, you just Mick want to do it for the music, man. <laughs> I want to do it for the fucking music. Mick Gordon yeah. worked on the Killer Instinct soundtrack, the KI uh-huh. 2013 soundtrack for the first right. two seasons. And the, the fucking musics that associated with um, the characters fucking fit on perfect. You got Sandstorm that fits with Conra. Which actually okay. sounds like it sounds like a metalized version of Egyptian music. Oh, 
Oh wow! I'll definitely check this out. Then. Uh, I like I like when they mix up stuff like that. You got uh, what's it called? Fucking what's it called? Uh, you got touch me and I'll break your fist, which is uh, I've forgotten name. I think it's the Panther or Viper or whatever name is. But um, basically, it's like it's like a very it's like glitch it's like glitch step um, music. It's okay. all over the place, different sampling, different everything, and it fits that person. And my favorite theme from that, the one I always listen to, and mm-hmm. nearly on the daily, if I get my Spotify up really fucking quickly because it's in one of the playlists when I do like, like workout. Uh, sounds like there's a lot of so- uh, sound engineering I went into this. Like, oh, he composed the entire fucking thing, and I'll tell you what, gives me fucking inspiration. Inspiration. I uh, don't blame him, man. It was someone that kind of magnitude. It's that right going to inspire a lot of things for people who uh, have passion for that kind of music. And the song called Hinama Tune, which is for the Native American, um, which is for the Native American warrior, um, I think it's Hawk or Eagle. I forgot his name. Um, but his real name is actually Hinama Tune. Mm. The title track Hinama Tune. All right, so it's like a nice little homage. homage. Literally like a fucking Native American piece amplified uh-huh. with fucking kick drums, lightning effects, so it's like a rain dance. It's like it's like you visual yourself in a fuck like, I don't know, like you visual yourself in this like wasteland, wasteland desert. In this wasteland desert. It's thunder and lightning. It's raining. All you can hear is the beat of a drum as you're walking, and the cheat and a chieftain of a tribe yelling out, mm-hmm. um, yelling out commands to his, um, you know, his warriors. But the best part is, is that Mick Gordon has one of the best timings I've ever. Entrepreneur, for fuck's sake, he wants to make a choir of scream artists. Ha! Uh, I like, like his ambitions. Like, I like where he's going. Aye. He's so fucking ambitious. Um, <laughs> and he wanted to make it in time for the new Doom game coming out. Yeah. Yeah, get the guy what he wants, you know what I mean? As long as he gets the right funding and gets the right, uh, like, objectives. Soundtrack is fucking stellar. It's exactly oh, wow. what you want in a Doom game. Just hard-hitting it's not like elect. There are some electro things, but it's like mixed in with like metal. Mm-hmm. And it's like really good because it feels like um, it actually makes you feel like you just want to fucking go to hell and actually like pound fucking demon faces in with your fists and everything. <laughs> we all love that kind of feeling, right? Just when you mentioned that there, punching punching faces in hell, uh, that definitely goes towards my recommendation music. Uh, you want to wrap yours up first, though. Um, okay, Doom 2016 music. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Oh, and back to the timing thing I said, mm-hmm. the Hinamatum track. Yeah. It actually kicks in when there's a giant lightning strike, and it's literally like the drums just like, are like, dun, 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 and then thunder strike, and then it actually kicks into it. Okay. So it gives it, it gives it like euphoric rhythm, like it's in perfect rhythm and harmony with everything. Aye. Which you definitely say it's energetic I, as well, as well as ambient. Oh, definitely. I, 
definitely it's in me it's in me workout playlist, man. I do like um, oh, wow. <laughs> I do like fucking punch back at home. Uh-huh. And it's a perfect type of music for it. If you want an intense workout, put on the Doom twenty sixteen track and select the tracks that don't have the um thingy. Unless you want to go for some like inspirational thing like the demigod, um no, 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 no. Um part one dogma where he introduces like who the Doom Walker is or Doom Guy as we know him. <laughs> After the Doom the Doom Guy fucking rip and tear kicks in and it just it feels like a gut punch to the ears. Yeah. Dude, such a well soundtrack. You're gonna have to send share the link uh, to like a uh, like a um, site that I'll probably just buy for free on uh, one day. Considering it sounds like some. I don't know if you can buy the soundtrack for free, but I can read the record. <laughs> I, I meant, I meant to say, I meant, I meant to say. What I was meant to say is, uh, send us, like send us a link to like the bloody playlist, uh, so I can just buy it online afterwards. <laughs> I've just fucked up your English language as usual. Christ. Well, I'll do that. Now. Um, nice one, Mara. So, like, definitely say for Pop Evil, uh-huh. Onyx, or War of the Angels, mm-hmm. either one doesn't be in order. Whatever your tastes are, have a listen to them, see if you like them. Yeah. But the Doom 2016 soundtrack by Mick Gordon is one of the most stellar soundtracks I've heard in gaming today. And I will say this, it's on tier Final Fantasy X Final Fantasy X music. Fits with every, no, no, Final Fantasy 10. 13. 13. Final Fantasy 13 2 uh-huh. has some of the best fitting music to come out. And then Doom 2016 just basically punched it in the face, and now they're trying to just battle. So, like, basically, what you're saying is Final Fantasy 13 was like, oh, I made one of the most like, um, energetic music for my time. And then uh, Doom comes along and be like, hold my beer. Uh, yeah, I was going like, to say, and, the, and Doom's like, all right. And then Doom just comes in with a fucking chainsaw, like, you better fucking start running, kiddo. <laughs> well, there goes my meme joke, but <laughs> I was trying to finish it off, but I think uh, I think what we definitely do next time is uh, be more uh, like uh, limited with our f- speaking, <laughs> especially on the side of the phone. Yeah. Just, uh, it sounds like I'm talking to C3PO at this point. <laughs> I am C3PO. Hey. Fucking... Uh... I forgot the line that he says. Oh, he, he says, I am C-3PO, human-cyborg relations. Human-cyborg relations, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, that's it's one of the more memorable lines of first Star Wars. R2-D2 was like a gigantic racist. <laughs> uh, no, I never crossed my mind until you just point that out, no. So all I can think about is like some raging... <laughs> it's, just like, it's just like that, and then C-3PO was like... Huh. R2, you can't say that about the Jews. Oh, Christ. I thought we were talking about like he had prejudice against Ewoks. Fucking hell. <laughs> we're bringing, <laughs> bring God's truth to people in the galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Fucking, what do you call it? The Viceroys. He's just like... <laughs> I, he starts beeping. No, R2 starts doing that scream when he goes... <laughs> Weird delivery, man, but you don't have to point that out. Christ. Well, uh, I probably think this sums up this last segment. Pop Evil and the Doom soundtrack. Yeah. Um, just to add on for me, because uh, what I'm going to plan on doing for now on, ladies and gentlemen, is recommend Spotify playlists. Because when you mention about like uh, Spotify and the music uh, dragging you through hell, like you feel like you want to punch some demons in hell from earlier, that reminds me of some really good gym 
metal workout playlist that I think uh, we should definitely tell the audience on our next podcast because I've got like 12 of them at this point. You know what I mean? So I think that definitely is going to be my segment for next week. And uh, hopefully the audience will catch it out and we shall uh, discuss it in detail from there. Will Brandon find his... Oh, fuck. Will Brandon find his Spotify? Will Jack ever stop listening to the Doom 2016 soundtrack? Is Dragon Ball Heroes a load of shit? Find out on the next episode of Omnicast Z. <laughs> Sam Bat Time. Sam Bat Channel. Just change it to Anchor Channel. Back. Oh, another thing. Will Toby Maguire finally get his pizza time? <laughs> and will Jerry Jonah Jameson finally get Spider-Man? <laughs> well, right. Will okay. him before finally get his fruit cake. Um, okay, so this has been the second episode. It's not been a complete shit show like the first one. So <laughs> a bit more clearer this time, though. So we're learning. <laughs> My name is Jackie and this is the Omnicast signing out. All right, and this is Brandon Craig from Omnicast signing off. Have a good one.